Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful day, huh? Number of announcements to start off. First, I'm going to do it so I don't forget. Next Sunday is the last week to turn in a shoebox. So if you want to do that, pick one up out there. If you have one at home, make sure it's back by Sunday. Secondly, there is a congregational meeting today at 4 o'clock. Um, let's see, there will be a meal afterwards. If you, you want to go to that and haven't signed up, there's a sign-up sheet out there. I'm sure it would be okay if you just showed up to even without signing up. So don't feel like that's something. If you're like, 3.30, oh, I didn't sign up, you can still come. Uh, then December 3rd, so it's a ways out, but you can plant for, you can plant it on your calendar. Uh, the pastor Adam and the elders, we're going to do a, um, uh, they're going to do a meeting on leadership and you can find out more about WCC December 3rd. Uh, then a couple other things I wanted to quick go over benevolence offering today in the back. If you are, uh, interested in doing that, that's used for people in our church, Electrical bills, heating bills, gas, that sort of thing. Uh, there's a, today there is an adult singles fellowship at Lakeshore, 12 o'clock, so right after the Come For More. So if you stay for Come For More, you can go to that after or go home and then go to Lakeshore after that. Um, and I think, oh, no, Ellis and Kristen Bosveld are here today, and there's a little meet and greet, a chance to talk with them, question and answers at 11 o'clock, so right after the main service. And I think that's everything. So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, and we'll go from there. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, the people who have joined together today in fellowship of you. Um, may we have hearts that are focused on you during this, you know, the, the worship we just came through, but also, Lord, as we come into our message and, and, uh, and further fellowship. Uh, may we wash away all negativity, all the... the stresses of the week and be able to come wholly to you in this in this time together in jesus name we pray amen so while we're giving this morning i want you to practice your praise the lord so i'm going to give you a one two three and then you're going to say praise the lord i'll try it again one two three Okay, we got some things to praise the Lord about this morning. And one of them is, is there was a beautiful ladies' brunch yesterday. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Carrie, thank you so much for ministering to the ladies. And just her talk was just wonderful. And uh, you heard Aaron say it this morning that we had our own local um, retreat for our youth, which was up at Mount Morris. And it was a great time. One, two, three. Praise, praise the Lord. Lord. That's another praise the Lord. Um, we can say praise the Lord also that um, we've been walking through this search process. And God's continuing to bring uh, men for us to evaluate and to look at. And, and I know a lot of this is in the background kind of thing. But it is moving forward. And so for that, we can say one, two, three. Praise, praise the, Lord. the Lord. And then the last one here of course, is it's, it's wonderful to be able to hear from our missionaries when they are with us. And especially this man who um, was a part of this church and was, grew up here, or was raised spiritually by this church. And it was out of this church that he got the call to go into the mission field. And so that's a one, two, three 
Praise the Lord. So, Alice, would you come and share your heart with us this morning? Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, well, good morning. Uh, as, as I was introduced, my name is Ellis. Uh, I want to thank you so much uh, this morning for... Oh, do I need to hit this to get it going? So far, I got nothing. Okay. Um, so I uh, just want to thank you guys for letting me come up and talk and, and lead this morning. Um, so as uh, the, the scripture we already read this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, where is the salt, uh, the salt and light uh, passage in Matthew. Um, so, but first I want just a little bit about myself, um, and my wife and son as they walk out. Hi. Spotlight. All right. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, my name is Ellis Bothell. I grew up in Berlin, Wisconsin. I grew up going to, to church over there in, in, in Wisconsin. And after, um, college started attending WCC here, uh, and, uh, to, to carry on with the salt analogy really started to, to, to gain salt, to gain light, uh, to to gain that through this church, and that came in many different forms. It came through through um, being invited for coffee or breakfast after after church. I got involved in men's Bible studies. Uh, got in, involved uh, with the church and just continued to grow more and more. So I was in one of those Bible studies uh, when they said, "Hey, we're going to go on a mission trip with Reach Global Crisis Response, and we're going to go down to North Carolina and serve people in need." And I just felt called to that trip. And I said, okay, I, I, I want to go do this. So I want to go um, to do this uh, trip. Um, soon after that trip, I decided to become full-time with Reach Global Crisis Response. Um, is the clicker going to work for me? Do I got to turn this on? Oh, there we go. Hey, there we are. Um, so as, we, um, as I decided to serve with Crisis Response down in North Carolina, um, I continued to grow salty. Uh, you could say I moved down to the coast. I'm right near the ocean. Uh, so I got even more salty getting in, in the salt water every once in a while. Um, so through that process, uh, working down there and deciding to be full-time with Reach Global Crisis Response, uh, I met my wife, Kristen. Um, uh, so I got uh, salty with adding a salty wife. And then our our family was salty, and we got to go out and spread more salt. And, uh, and I should probably stop with that analogy before I get myself in trouble. Um, so let's move on to, uh, to the scripture. So, uh, yeah, I'm here to talk to you about Matthew uh, 13, sorry, chapter 5, 13 through 16. Uh, so you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, so, to, to reference this, uh, this is probably a somewhat common scripture for a lot of us. Uh, but back in biblical times, salt and light had a much different meaning, right? Um, Salt was valuable. It was used as a commodity uh, in trade. It was used in healing. It was used in uh, ritual cleansing, uh, but especially, especially in the preservation of food. Uh, and light was not so easily accomplished as flipping a switch uh, on the wall. Uh, it was often an oil lamp or even a fire. It had to be tended to. It took work. Um, there weren't just street lights down the street, uh, and often just one lamp would light an entire house. Uh, so salt, as it said in the scripture, didn't really have much of a use once it became not so salty. 
Uh, and just like that, they wouldn't cover up light with a bowl. Uh, so the importance in today's culture has kind of slid downhill a little bit, right? Um, now we look at salt as a little salt shaker on the table. Uh, we shake a little bit here, we add a little bit, uh, and salt and light has kind of become a garnish in today's culture. Um, we, we use light as a decoration when we're uh, you know, building a house. It's where do we put the accent lights to make it look right? This time of year, we start talking and thinking about Christmas decorations. Where are we going to hang the lights? What are we going to put on the tree? Uh, it's, it's not as important or as uh, structured as it used to be. Um, also, in biblical times, because it was so important, Jesus used this reference, right, to, to include his disciples and to include us as Christians, uh, to say that we are uh, the salt um, and that we should... Uh, Go out and, and create uh, other salty people, again, to use that, that reference. Um, but in today's culture, again, that slide has kind of uh, continued on. Uh, we start to now say um, the darkness is, is creeping in in the world, right? Um, uh, we can see the decay of society. And a lot of times we say, well, that's really too bad. What can we do about that, right? Uh, how do we and what do we do uh, about the decay of society? Uh, so I challenge Christians uh, with with this statement. Uh, can we blame the meat? Uh, will meat do anything besides decay? Uh, as, as the night uh, draws near and the house grows dark, do we blame the house for its capabilities? Do we say, boy, the house didn't become light? Or do we say, somebody needs to turn the light switch on? Somebody needs to rub the salt in the meat and preserve it. Somebody needs to take that action. It would be so much easier for us to blame the culture, right? Uh, there's so many uh, tainted ideas that are blended in uh, and easily say that that is the reason uh, that things have gone bad. Uh, not so much so that we as Christians maybe haven't uh, preserved it. We haven't rubbed the salt in it. Um, so last week, uh, my wife and family, we were up in Minneapolis with Reach Global Crisis Response, um, and we were uh, doing our pre-field training, which is kind of our last step in in the, in the ministry training process. Uh, and they talked a little about this and it was, uh, I kind of took, took to heart uh, something I knew, but I always like to be reminded of things. Um, and I realized that it's really easy to look at the world that way, right? It's really easy to say that there's something out there that's separate from us. Uh, and, and it's gone bad. Um, but it's maybe a little bit harder for us to say, what can we do? What can we be a solution to? Um, I always thought this at a young age, uh, probably by some pretty smart people, likely my parents here. Uh, and they said that you, you can't always change the situation we're in, right? But you can, you can change um, your attitude towards that situation. So you can change the attitude of saying, well, it's gone bad. What can I do about it to how can we be a solution as Christians? Um, now, that's not to say that the salt and light is just for non-Christians. It's just for us to push out. But it's also for us to do in here. As I said, I learned, became salty again, uh, right here in this building uh, with people, with other Christians, poured salt into my life, poured light into my life. Um, so it's not something that we just do outwardly. Um, sorry, lost my place here. Um, but uh, as, we, uh, as we are confronted with it, it's also, again, how do we take that? What's our attitude towards how we take when, when salt and light is poured into our lives? Uh, it might not be comfortable, uh, when food is oversalted, it doesn't really taste very good sometimes. 
if you have a cut or a wound or a, a dark spot, and you shine that bright light or rub salt in it, it's going to sting a little bit. Uh, but I encourage us as Christians to not push away from that, but to, to push into that, uh, to let the salt do its healing, uh, to let the salt um, continue to work. Uh, so as I said, uh, it'd be easy to blame the situations, and I learned that firsthand uh, working down in North Carolina. Um, so to change our attitudes, I often got asked the question of when we would go down to, to, to North Carolina, we work right on the coast, and people would say, well, you're working on people's houses uh, right, right near the coast. Uh, after a hurricane, there's, there's probably going to be another hurricane. There's going to be another storm. There's going to be more damage. So, so why are you working on those houses? It wouldn't be easier to say, hey, you should just, just move. Um, and that might be right. That might be the right attitude uh, to say, yeah, there are going to be more storms. There are going to be more damage. But if we change our attitude and through that process, we see that we're not fixing somebody's ho- uh, house, but we're fixing somebody's home. And that there's people in that home that as we take the time and build the relationship and take the time uh, in our ministry to to help those people and and work in their homes, we get to build a relationship and therefore get to uh, change the way that they look at uh, the situation as well. Uh, And hopefully uh, we get to the next time the storms come, whether that looks like a hurricane or whether that looks like something else, uh, storms in their lives, uh, they'll be standing on a better foundation this time, the foundation of Christ, right? Uh, and it might not look quite so so foolish to say that we went and worked on homes that are likely going to be damaged again, but instead we worked on homes and we, and we impacted people's lives. Uh, now that can be said for our ministry, that it maybe it doesn't look like this most straightforward path. You could stand on a street corner and say, you know, uh, preach the gospel. But in so many ministries, so many ministries that, that uh, you guys support, and as one of your supported missionaries, I appreciate that, that we don't always take the most direct path, but we do what God has called us to do. Um, so here uh, is one of our, our volunteers uh, sitting down with a gentleman on uh, one of our job sites, and he's doing exactly that. It's one of our, our favorite sayings in the ministry is people over projects. He's putting the person first. Uh, he's put down his hammer uh, and, and is taking the time to, to ask this man, let me introduce you to Wendell. Uh, so he's the, the gentleman in the dark jacket sitting there. Um, when we met Wendell, he was, he was broken down. Uh, he was broken down by the world. Now, I don't, I don't know. I can't judge. So I'll leave that up to God to judge on where he was, was in his faith. But he was certainly a broken man down by the world. Uh, he walked with his head down. He was sad. His, his house was damaged. Um, and uh, this volunteer took the time to say, Wendell, do you have a Bible? Wendell said, yeah, I do. Do you read it often? He said, not as often as I should. Do you know where it is? And Wendell said, of course I do. He ran up into his broken down, moldy, fallen down house and grabbed his Bible and came back outside and they sat down and started reading through John together. And he said, tomorrow when I come back, we'll talk more about it if you read more tonight. Um, he took the time during that project to sit with people. We encourage our volunteers to do that all the time. Now, unfortunately, uh, this is actually not Wendell's house, but Wendell's house looked very similar. And I titled this, The Tarps of the World Will Fail. Because as you can see there, the tarps failed. Um, again, in Wendell's situation, it was maybe a year and a half to two years after the storm had hit. Um, the roof had been damaged. He put tarps then another tarp, a tarp over top of that. Uh, and the tarps were damaged and blown away. Uh, the rot and decay inside his house had, had set in. Uh, the tarps couldn't keep it out. Uh, the band-aids of this world 
won't fix the root issue unless we really start diving into the root issue. Um, now, I will say that when we got to that house, we didn't blame the house. We didn't blame the wood for rotting, right? It was the fact that, that there was damage to the house. So we started by tearing into the house in that top corner. Uh, in one corner of the house, that's what we found. Uh, after two years, the decay had set in uh, so bad so that it wasn't just the roof uh, patch anymore that needed to be done. We had to go inside. We had to take on the wall. We found the wall was rotten. The floor we were standing at was rotten. The structure under that was rotten. We had to rebuild, essentially, that whole corner of the house back up to support it. We did that a little bit with Wendell, too. We started talking to him, breaking down some of those barriers. We dug in. We found the rot. We started to clear that rot out. We put in new structure, and we patched it. And, and we didn't stop there, though. We fixed the underlying issue. We put a new roof on as well. We, we fixed that structure on the outside. Uh, so again, to say that the, the, the tarps uh, of the world will fail, um, yeah, we can only do so much for ourselves. I think Aaron said it too. We need to seek, a, seek God. We need to seek a higher, higher power on that. Our Band-Aids that we think we can put on things uh, doesn't always work. It doesn't always work to just put a Band-Aid on stuff and think that we have the power to, to fix it. We sometimes need to dive a little bit deeper into things. Uh, so with that, uh, again, this, this last week up in training, uh, this passage from um, Christopher Wright's, a Christian writer, his book, Here Are Your Gods. Uh, so I'm going to read this. It says, Christians must both penetrate society, not withdraw from it, by fully engaging in all aspects of the public arena including the workplace and the political sphere, as well as retain our distinctiveness within society. Penetrative distinctiveness is the Christian calling in the world as salt and light. We are, just as Jesus said, in the world, but we are not to be of the world. So I like the idea of penetrative distinctiveness. That's, as, as Christians, that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to go into dark places. Uh, we're called to take action. We're called to shed light. We're called to rub the salt on the meat, right? And yet at the same time, we're called to still you know, be set apart. We're called to still be distinct. Um, and we're also called not to become the meat. Uh, by rubbing as salt, rubbing it into the meat, we could so easily just become meat. Uh, but that doesn't really, um, doesn't really help us. Uh, as scripture says, once we become, uh, we lose our saltiness, we're not good for much. Um, God can redeem, so I'm certainly not saying that that's, that's the end of it. But, um, yeah, as we lose that saltiness, uh, our message might not come across the same way if we become uh, just like the meat. Now, again, for us working construction, uh, a lot of our ministry looks as though working construction, using it as an access. Uh, we get to, again, work alongside of people in their homes. We get to access their homes, be the salt, and get into their lives. Um, but as we are working alongside of them, our goal is not transactional. It's not a, we, you give us money and we fix your project. Um, a lot of times there's no money at all involved. It's, it's you give us materials and we do the project for you. Um, so there's obviously some differences there, but at, at some point people often start to say, you guys are different as a construction team. You treat us differently. You talk to us. You want to know about us. You treat each other differently. On the job site, you're not screaming at the person over there because they made a mistake or yelling because you need this or that. You're polite. You're nice. You take time, as that picture with Wendell, to sit down 
and talk about the hard parts of life. Uh, so sooner or later, people start to ask why. Uh, that's another, another one of my favorite sayings in our ministry, is that you love somebody enough until you ask why. We don't always knock on the door and lead with, have you heard about Jesus? Uh, we knock on the door and say, tell us your story. What happened during the storm? Let's talk about it. How'd that make you feel? Where'd you go from there? What happened next? We get to build a relationship through conversation and through time. We're normally at sites for, for a week, two weeks, two months, sometimes half a year. We worked with on Wendell's house for stretched out probably over a year. We pretty much uh, ended up remodeling the whole exterior, most of the interior. Um, and again, we, we through that time, we're able to impact Wendell and, and not only bring his house back, but we're able to bring him back. Uh, we saw we do weekly cookouts often on our job sites. And from the first time you saw Wendell and he's, you know, kind of shuffling up to you like that. So he walked up to our, one of our, our, uh, job sites. He's got a nice looking shirt on. He's got a vest on. He's got a little top hat on sunglasses. And he walked up and got food. And all of a sudden I was like, Wendell, is that you? I, was, I didn't even recognize him. I went, well, like, it's amazing the transformation that he had just in himself, not just because his house because there was more transformation happening in, inside. So we say we love them until they ask why. It creates a perfect opportunity for, opportunity for us to share the gospel when we let them ask the question, all right, what, what's different? Why do you volunteers from Wisconsin, from Pennsylvania, from Utah, from wherever over the United States, you come and spend a week of your vacation time, take time off of work, you come and you're not paid and you come to work on our house. I don't get it. Tell me why. So we get that opportunity. Now here you see Kristen and my parents uh, and, and uh, some more of the team that was sent down from this church. Uh, and it was over Easter time. And Pete and his son Morgan and Kristen lived in their house. They did a lot of the work themselves. We kind of came in the game the last push to get over the hurdle. But the team took the time to go out shopping and get some candy and some Easter baskets uh, and taught them a little bit more about what Easter really looks like. Uh, we got to love on them by simple gestures like that uh, until they asked why. Um, now, um, sorry, lost my place. Um, so it takes it takes action. We can love on them, but at some point it takes action. It doesn't have to be grand, as I said. It can be something as simple as this, but it does take some action to shed light into the dark places. I know my daughter is a big fan of The Lion King, so I've watched that movie probably a hundred times. So uh, as the great philosopher uh, Mufasa says as he's talking to Simba, he said, everything the light touches is our kingdom. As they're looking out, if you remember that scene, or have seen that movie, he's looking out over uh, the savannah, and there's everything the light touches. Now notice it says the light touches. It doesn't just say everywhere the light is. The light touches it. The light takes an action and touches the things around it. Um, now, I'm not going to get too deep into, you know, with Simba just trying to spread salt and spread light when he snuck off with his friends into the elephant graveyard, right? I'll, I'll leave that off for you to judge. But, um, yeah, disobeying parents, we don't want to get into that, all, all that good stuff, right? Um, but it took action. It, it, it took action to, to do something. Um, so a lot of times I'm asked again, when, uh, why am I a missionary? Now, of course, the easy Sunday school answer is Jesus, right? Jesus called us to be missionaries, called us to go spread his word. Uh, you can go deeper to exactly what, what, um, what Jesus said in the Great Commission. Now, that can be a whole other sermon, so I'm not going to dive too, too deep into that. Uh, but I do like how I've often heard it said, 
um, that in, in the Great Commission, when it calls us to go, uh, the direct translation is not go as in necessarily go, but as you go. Um, so I encourage you uh, to start thinking about how you can spread salt in your life as you go. A sermon from a pastor down at One Harbor Church, which is our partner church in, in Moorhead City, um, did a sermon similar to that and described that. Uh, and he said you should do ministry at three miles an hour. The reason it's three miles an hour is that's the average pace of a human man to walk. Jesus was a human man. And in that time, he often walked everywhere he went. Jesus did ministry throughout his life at three miles an hour. Here you see one of our, we call him our super volunteer, Tommy. He was a volunteer, and now he's a little bit of an adjunct staff, and he even gets to travel to some of our other sites. But he's helping Miss Sheila here back from a lunch, which she often regaled us with stories as we asked and sat around on our job site for lunch. He's helping her back to her home. Sometimes that's what ministry looks like, is just offering a hand when you're walking alongside somebody, uh, when you're doing life uh, with somebody. Um, so looking at that, in the Great Commission, Jesus calls us to be missionaries, right? So why are we not all missionaries? Good question, right? Uh, or maybe even a better question is, are we all missionaries? Uh, I think we all, in some ways, are missionaries. Uh, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we've all been called to the mission field. Uh, now, does that mean that everybody needs to be a missionary to go to spread their salt? Or can we, as we go, spread our salt? Um, I don't think we have to go. I think, again, as I said before, I, I, I got salty <laughs> right here in this building. Uh, right in, actually in that nursery room back there around a men's Bible study. By people in this building. Uh, so not everyone is called to go as I was called to go. I'm thankful for the support and the push to go. Um, but WCC has its supported missionaries, myself included. So you can support them. Uh, now that's not to say that I'm saying don't go. If you feel called to go, please join us. There's, there's plenty of rooms. I got a blue shirt, blue shirt for you. You can come join our staff. Uh, but Washera County would be a whole lot less salty if we all decided to go be missionaries. Right? There needs to be salt here. Uh, and, and, and you guys get to do that. You guys get to be uh, the salt here. So this is, this is a call to action. This is where I found my call to action. This is my call to action for everybody in the room, is to be disciples, to spread salt. Again, that doesn't look like going out as a missionary all the time. Uh, but we can do missions right here. Uh, you can pray for the missionaries, myself included. You can write. You can call. You can send an encouraging note. I can, I can attest to how much that means. Uh, of course, uh, shameless plug, you can financially support a missionary. Um, but uh, as, we, as we go, uh, I want to uh, kind of um, close our time, or my time here, with um, a saying that One Harbor, again, our partner church uh, down in uh, Moorhead City, often ends with, uh, and that's in their church, engraved to their wall. Uh, now, I apologize about the typo if you're following through and writing in the words. I added a couple extra. There was a typo on my part when I, when I sent out this. Um, but the, the, the saying they often, often say as they end of service is, we have seven days to push back darkness and make disciples all for the sake of the gospel. So I encourage you guys to do that over the next seven days.
So as uh, as was said before, uh, we'll be on a going deeper uh, class. So if there's more questions, we have plenty of more stories to tell uh, and questions you can uh, ask, and we're happy to to answer those. Um, there's also in your bulletins. Uh, maybe Pastor Adam was going to mention that there's there's prayer cards. Um, so please take those, hang those on your fridge. Uh, there's contact information if you want in those. Uh, if you already have one or uh, don't feel the need to have that, please set it on the welcome desk. We'd love to have them back so we can uh, tell other people. But um, yeah, again, I encourage you to do missions at three miles an hour uh, and push back the darkness uh, of this world. Um, worship team, come on up. I I thank you for pointing out in the bulletin because there's a few ways that we can give this morning. And, and Stephanie and I have done this too. We've, we've went to his website and be able to donate that way specifically for the Bosvelds. That's a great way to do that. And in your bulletin, being salt and light. Uh, our pantry does this uh, twice a month where people come in and get... Um, get goods. And uh, in your bulletin, there's a little shopping list. And if you want to help stock the shelves here at the church, that's another great way to do that. And then somebody asked me about this this morning. Uh, There's a little envelope in there in your bulletin. And this is to specifically help uh, teens go to districts, go to the youth event in January. So there's, there's different ways that we can be salt and light here. And I think one of the most powerful things you said this morning is that if we all went, this county would be a little less salty. <laughs> and so we need to be salty here. But I want us to stand. We're going to sing a song, but I want to stand and I want us to close this time in prayer for Allison and his family. Would you stand with us? So Heavenly Father, thank you for Allison. Thank you for him sharing in, in just a great way, not only the words of your scriptures, but also, Lord, how those are being applied uh, on the mission field where he is, is called to be a missionary. And thank you for helping him to convey to us that not just the project to be done, but the people that he comes across and comes in contact with and him and him and his team. And also, Lord, I pray for Ellis as he, um, he not only does this, but he, he portrays this onto others that come and help. He portrays it onto the teams that come and, and serve for a short-term time that he, he tells them of these principles from the scriptures and helps refocus their thoughts, Lord, that not to look at the project, but to look at the people and to, to be salt and light to them. Lord, I, I pray that, that Ellis and his family would receive all the support they need, Lord, as they go back onto the field, Lord. Thank you for the training that they received just recently. And Lord, we pray that we would be very diligent in our prayers for them. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. And as Ellis said, uh, after we sing our song, we'll have coffee and cookies. But at 11 o'clock, Ellis will be in the library. And if you have any other specific questions for Ellis or want to hear some more, that's where we'll gather at 11 o'clock in the library. Okay? Let's sing unto the Lord. Thank you.